Hey friend, welcome to the Planter Podcast, where we focus on faith, growth, and lifestyle. This is a podcast that propels both men and women to live their God-given purpose one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Damio Shodi, and I'm so happy that you're here listening to the Planter Podcast. On this episode of the Planter Podcast. Uh, there is another issue that needs to be solved here. Not me forgiving you for sexually abusing me, but you dealing with the fact that you thought it was okay to touch a child. Okay, let's look at that sin right there. Because that right there is a problem within itself. Are we going to solve that issue? Or are we just going to focus on the fact that I need to forgive? What y'all doing? Y'all praying over him? Well, that's actually false because studies actually show that with sex education, it um, comes with low rates of pregnancy um, and other and other and other risk factors. Yes, that's the truth. Also, there's a greater study that shows that U.S. consider themselves. It's there's a study that shows that all, all over the world, since like as a U.S. that kind of like U.S. portrays itself to be more conservative when it comes to sex. Um, but it has higher rates of risk factors in like young people versus other countries. Right. That's what so. I'm saying. But the church is going to say that's that's what they're going to say, because sex is this very perverted, taboo subject. People are I'm just this is like from my own personal experience. The church is going to this is the argument I've heard adults say my parents, my family. If you talk about sex, the kids are going to have sex. But that's not the case. The more informed kids are about their options when it comes to having sex or not having sex, the more informed they are. But the sexual education aspect is talking about consent, letting kids know this body that you have is your body. You need to have like literal sex. Like there needs to be an education class for both men and women. I mean, both girls and boys um, on what consent is. Uh, that just needs to be implemented in a church. I think that is a practical thing. So depending on denomination or what church, they might not want to talk about sex. But guess what? There needs to be a mandatory consent class for kids. Bible study, great. Consent class needs to be included. Mm, that's great that you said that because that was actually going to be my next thing. Like, how do we teach our kids to protect themselves? <laughs> so if we were to have this consent class, what age do you think? is appropriate kids i would say just know it from a psychological point um kids know what self is the idea of i am me and this is me they learn that at a very early age like as early as like two or three they know that they're they, they have a self but you need the first from research and statistics that i read some kids are being abused as early as three years old that's two years old. They're being abused by parents, um, by adults. But the earlier, the better for me. I'm I'm trying to think. I was a Sunday school teacher. I work with kids. I worked with kids from all ages. I'm trying to think at what age that my children would understand this, don't touch me. I would say the proper age for me, I would say, was five years old. But up until five years old, I would think that um, that would be the time that kids, you know, can vocalize themselves. But as early as three years old, if this kid can talk and ask mommy, I want something to eat, or they are around adults, they're in daycare, or they're not around their family members. Even family is the is the one, this is the case that of sexual abuse and assault of children um, 
the most that is family members. It's not a stranger. So I would say as early as you can, you start teaching kids colors, you start teaching kids about consent, you know, you start teaching kids like about meals. This is mommy. This is daddy. You start talking about consent. Like if I'm teaching my young kids the same thing, like if someone says, oh, can I touch you? You can say yes or no. As I think the earlier the better. You start socializing your kids to, you know, in society at that age or when socializing begins, that's when you teach them about consent. What do you think, Essie? Well, I would say I would more so frame it differently. I wouldn't say protect. I mean, I would because I, I feel like when we when we say that, how do we how we how we teach protect this? I, I, I wouldn't teach kids that they need to be I, I wouldn't teach kids to protect or frame it that way because then that doesn't make the culture and make people accountable um you're right okay it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't create this culture of accountability mm -hmm. i think more so would be to shift um culture and start having more and teaching kids how to teaching kids what consent is teaching kids what sexuality is because i i feel like just avoiding this avoiding the conversations of sex, sex, sexuality and identity and sex and consent and um, rape culture and just all these other things because they're just, they're uncomfortable and we just don't know and just this and that and that's not what we've been told, just kind of just um, and ends up shooting our, we end up shooting ourselves in the foot. So I think more so it's it's a proactive conversation as, a, as, as opposed to a defensive one to protect, to protect. And I think that you can start teaching kids as early as possible. Um, I think number one is teaching kids to be autonomous, that they're autonomous individuals. And one of the biggest things that I, I try to tell folks is that, like, I don't think that it's okay to teach kids to blindly respect authority. And a lot of that is is wreaked in, like, you know, biblical rhetoric and culture and other things. And so a lot of times you say, oh, you just you got to listen to them just because they just because they said so. You're I don't know this the, even like as Africans or even as African-Americans, this whole like, because they said so, because they're this, I think it's really problematic and it ends up hurting kids at the end of the day because you're teaching kids that they don't have, first of all, you're teaching kids that they don't have a say over their own bodies and over their minds and they just don't have a say, period. And then number two, you're not teaching kids to to think critically about you know what what's right and what's wrong. You're teaching kids to rely on just someone who just has um, power authority or just older than you in some way, um, which is why a lot of rape cases happen. I mean, one example is just what I mentioned. Um, in Africa, like, I don't know, we're all, I mean, for the most part, Dami, you're Nigerian, I'm Ghanaian. And at some point, we all know that, like, we're taught to just respect elders regardless and just to respect our parents and just whatever regardless. But, like, abuse, especially child abuse, especially involving older men, happens so often because of the whole, the culture of blindly respecting authority. So like in that case with the teacher, where the teacher asked, let me touch your breast, and she put her head down in shame, knowing that it was wrong, but said yes, only because he's a teacher. And when they asked her, hey, why would you let the teacher touch your breast? Did you think it was okay? Of course she didn't think it was okay, but it was a teacher that told her to do it. So she did what she was told. And I think a lot of the problem is that we teach kids from early on that you just need to blindly accept authority. Like if a kid asks a question, we shut them down and tell them, don't worry about it, because I said so, because I said so. That's it, don't worry about it. 
as opposed to just answering their question or as opposed to just encouraging them to think critically. Like I have a three-year-old sister and my sister will ask why or ask about things all the time and we give her answers. Um, even when it comes to teaching her about bodily autonomy and teaching her about trusting her own instinct and creating some type of, creating a sense of just moral compass and like what that looks like for her or what she wants to do, trying to develop that in her. Um, when she's around adults or around people, if she says that she doesn't want to do something, we don't let her do it just because she's a child and she needs to do it in their, in their whatever. Like, even if I trust them, even when they're my friends, even if they're another family member, if my sister says she doesn't want to hug someone or she doesn't want to say hi to someone, guess what? She's not hugging or saying hi. And that's like one of the, 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 the kind of simplest ways we teach kids to like disregard their own comfort in the name of others or in the name of an adult like telling kids hey go hug uncle over there and they may not feel comfortable or not but we say go hug, hug go hug uncle instead of asking them hey do you want to go hug uncle and sometimes i catch myself doing it sometimes too i'm like hey go give this person a high five hey go tell this person thank you as opposed to me saying hey you want to say hi to this person and, and and she tells me yes and then sometimes she tells me no based on her own comfort and if if she tells me no that she doesn't want to say or does she, she doesn't want to give a hug I'll say, hey, do you want, like, I'll, I'll offer an alternative. And if she still declines at that, I'll just tell her, I'll just say, hey, sorry, she's not comfortable, and that's it. And I think that's just, like, a simple way of just how we teach kids just bodily autonomy. We teach kids that, look, if you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to say yes. Like, you don't have to say yes. Like, no one's not obligated to your body. No one's not entitled to your body. It's your body. Teaching kids what safe, what safe zones are, what safe touches are, um, and what are not unsafe touches are. Teaching kids about their privates. I tell my sister all the time, hey, this is your private. Even when I'm wiping her, even when I take, I ask her, hey, is it okay that I wipe you? Can I wipe you? And she lets me know yes or no. Hey, can I come in? Hey, is it okay that I, that I, did I clean this, that I clean that? Teaching her that those are her private parts. These are her, these are something that is only for her own viewing. Teaching her, hey, is it okay when, when you're closing, is it okay that I come into the room? Like telling her like that, that's her body. That's sacred. Like you have the right to tell me what I can do and not just assume that just because I'm bigger than you, that you don't have a say. And when you start implementing that in children, they'll be able to have more voices over their bodies and more voices over situations. And you actually encourage more critical thinking. So when they get into situations where they feel like it's not right, they can sit there and say, nope, I don't want to do this. And they can walk out on their own. But there's just little things within our culture and even within just in general, all culture, um, in the church and biblical rhetoric that we teach children without really being intentional about what we're actually saying when we teach kids. And I think about that all the time when I talk to my little sister, when I'm talking to her and stuff. And a lot of times people are like, oh, child, I don't know about you. When I, when I grew up, my, my parents, they just beat me or they said they didn't give me no answer. Like, child, we black. Like, we don't, we, we this, we that. We don't give no answers. A child just listens to you just because they listen to you. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't agree. Like, I don't have to beat my sister. My child, my, her mom doesn't beat her. I don't see her getting beaten. We literally have conversations. Even she doesn't even really have, she doesn't even really have tantrums like that. We talk her through it because just, she needs to just develop her reasoning around things. So I think that teaching kids bodily autonomy, consent, teaching kids not to just blindly respect authority but to actually develop critical thinking. So as opposed to telling kids, just because I say so, actually providing the reasoning for why you're telling a child something. So if you're telling a child not to just run in the street, not just saying, hey, because I said so, but saying, hey, whenever you run in the street, there's cars that's coming by and they can hit you and you can get hurt. I'm saying this because I want you to be safe. 
that's the type of language that we should be promoting and that we should be encouraging when we're talking to children. Well said. And good, um, I guess, identifying that word protect themselves. See, I didn't realize that could be problematic, but I definitely understand what you're saying. And I love the way that you train your sister. I think it's really interesting. And I'll give a shout out to Shola. That's my mom. Like, she cool, you know, because she was that type of parent in the sense of she didn't make me hug people. She explained things to me because, you know, we'd be hearing stories like, oh, I got beat all the time. That's why I was such a bad kid. And I'd be looking at myself like, dang, how come, like, you know, I didn't get beat like that? A, because she wasn't about that life that much, maybe like once or twice a year, but <laughs> she wasn't somebody who that's how she trained me. She basically, she gave me reasons. She, I, I'd, I'd ask her a question and she would explain why she's doing this or why this is happening or, you know, encourage me to think. That was one of her biggest things. Like, I feel like I raised myself since I was seven years old because she put me in positions to make decisions for myself at a very, very young age and talked with me as if I was an adult. So I was able to comprehend a lot of things um, faster than some of my peers and understand things even up to now that some people don't understand because she, you know, spoke to me at like not not like I'm a child, basically. So, yeah, I agree with that. Um, encourage kids to think critically and about consent. So my last question for you guys is what are some consequences that you think are justifiable for people who harm children and women in the church? Because I ask this question and I'm like, just be as honest as possible because, you know, from, from reading the stories, the consequences basically were people got promoted. Like that was one of them that this person basically abused a young girl and he didn't, he didn't leave the church. He actually got promoted. And then another one was, um, I guess the dad told he was the dad was the pastor of the church and somebody abused his daughter and he told the people um in the church that oh my god this like he abused my daughter they actually kicked the father out of his position and left that man in a higher position so what are some things that are const like what can we do like actually do against those who do attack children and women or like little boys in the church? Um, I'll go. We need to hold them accountable for their actions. Like it's not anything too like. But how though? Because personally for me, I would say, I mean, you know, get a little couple, couple guys in a room and like rough them up a little bit. I mean, I don't find nothing wrong with that. <laughs> See, I'm just trying to hold my own personal thoughts from it. Um, this reminds me of a like I had I was faced with the same question in high school when we were we we read a book called Dante's Inferno, and I did a circle of, of health specifically for sexual abusers, and my justifiable um, punishment for them was that their crotch was going to be burned and disintegrated, and it's going to reappear again. It's going to burn and disintegrate for the rest of eternity. Well, but we can't make that happen. So <laughs> it happen right now. So they need they need to be held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. Right. That in social um, 
in the social aspect also. So if there is a, a church member who was accused, I don't care if it is true or not. If that person is, there needs to be an investigation. He needs to leave his position until investigation is done. I don't care if that person's accusations are a little bit iffy. If people take every single case seriously, then people are going to understand, no. I think this is reoccurring in the church so much because people don't think the risk, that it's a big enough risk if they get caught for them not to do it. Like it doesn't deter them because they don't, they're not getting held accountable for their actions. So when it comes to church, me, ideally, you know, I would want that person to leave their position as soon as this the, the the account has been presented to authorities under investigation. And when I say investigation, I mean, like, there needs to be, you need to protect the person who's, you know, bringing up the, 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 the case and letting them know of the account of the, the incident. Protect them and, and talk. And as soon as it happens, you know, you need to make sure that person steps down for, from, from office. It's not saying that they're guilty or not, but you need to treat the person as if what they're saying is of value. You don't just silence them and just throw away their, 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 their words, which is what we've been doing in the church. And a victim and their assaulter should not be in the same room. Like you sh And churches are like, well, we don't know if it's true, so we're going to keep the person in the same room. No, no. And the law needs to be involved. That person needs to be on a sexual predator list. You know, you're behind it. You're allowed back into segregation around other children, if that's what you want to do. Right, right. Oh, so you need to be held accountable. Protect. You, you know, I can see people arguing with scripture about that. That um, I know Paul said to leave the Corinthians that... Um, that you have an issue with your brother and you go to unbelievers to solve the issue like why can't you solve it amongst each other first like he was um basically i guess correcting them on on that particular issue because i was wondering like thinking about this and i could see people justifying all of this by scripture that no don't take it to um the police, the police. because um, you know, he's our brother in Christ and people make mistakes and, you know, Jesus forgives and all this blase, blase stuff. I'm yeah. like, Jesus won't break kids. So it's just like, all right, <laughs> we don't, we don't have to take it to the police, baby. But all I know is that you're not coming back into this church you and all your, right. you're not coming back to this church and your Bible thumping supporters, pedophilic supporters can go with you because that's not, so you know what that's telling somebody else? Oh, if I do this that the Bible's going to support my actions. And you know what's going to tell the victim? That they're not safe. That's right. not anything. They don't have a voice. They're not safe. They don't have refuge. You know, they don't have anyone protecting them. So you can leave. And anyone else who feels that, oh, we need, no, you can do that. Because on the faith level, you know, if we let's step into our whole ministering and witnessing thing. Okay, uh, there is another issue that needs to be solved here. Not me forgiving you for sexually abusing me, but you dealing with the fact that you thought it was okay to touch a child. Okay? Let's look at that sin right there. Because that right there is a problem within itself. Are we going to solve that issue? Or are we just going to focus on the fact that I need to forgive? What y'all doing? Y'all praying over him? 
Y'all causing him to fast? What y'all doing with him? Instead of having it be that person who called him out, having to be, oh, you have to forgive because Christ forgives. Well, this person needs to be delivered if that needs to be the case, if that's what we're going to say from this situation. Because, you know, Paul also encourages people to be sexually pure, too. All right. That was part three of the mini-sode. And I absolutely love this um, part of the series. I think it was so interesting um, listening to my friends speak about how to um, kind of train our kids um, from this point on. I know this generation is just not here uh, with the things that maybe our parents have done and generations prior. So we're really trying to reinvent the wheel and change it up and really help our kids to make conscious decisions and really think critically. We're setting ourselves up and the future generation definitely to be more critical thinking, especially within the church. So what do you guys think about having a consent class? What what are your opinions on that? What do you think about having that um, in church? Let me know on Facebook or let me know on Instagram because I'm always on Instagram. So you guys can definitely let me know. And um, yeah, just state your opinions on what you think about that. So, so that was part three of the conversation. Part four is coming up next week. And where we really dive into um, different ways in which we could kind of really solve the problem. So uh, ask the question that, oh, um, what would be an appropriate uh, consequence? So you're going to hear more about that next week. And that will be the last episode of the mini series, y'all. So thank you again. I absolutely love and appreciate you for tuning in week in and week out and just you know just being my friend (laughs) um i love it so thank you and we will definitely speak next week bye Thank you so much for listening to the planter podcast if you are absolutely loving the content that the planter is creating well go ahead and subscribe to the planter on itunes for more updates and staying connected with me you can also subscribe to the planter at theplanter.com so that's t-h-e-p-l-a-n-n-t-e-r.com to become a part of our community uh, you can find us on facebook at the planter community to stay connected with like-minded individuals who are trying to grow just like you and you can find the planter on all social media handles at the planter so thank you so much for listening and i'll speak to you on the next episode